I just woke up one morning. I said, God, I'm not getting out of bed until we deal with this. So I said, God, you made me this way. You made me, you said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I closed my eyes and I saw the face of Jesus, like just like I'm looking at your face right now. And, and there was fire in his eyes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is not what I was expecting. It was frightening and comforting all at the same time. And he said, David, I am sufficient. And I felt the words go into this part of my heart that had all that pain in it. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. So today on The Kindling Fire, I have David Charlson on. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I uh, met him through a mutual friend called Brian Robinson, who you may have heard on the show. Uh, he was on a couple episodes back, and uh, he told me about this awesome dude named David. And I was like, I want to I want to meet an awesome dude. And so here we are. Uh, so tell us a little bit about who you are and 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 just anything you want to do to kind of tell us about your life. And we'll get into the topic for the day. Yeah, I guess I'll start off without the normal stuff and just say that um, the thing I'm most passionate about is. Is the idea of being revealed, like, like being revealed, like so unfortunately and fortunately a big part of being revealed is vulnerability it's and, and vulnerability is called vulnerability because it feels really vulnerable um so that's basically what i'm all about i i've chosen chosen to live my life vulnerably and i can hide just like the best of them but i try to continually reveal the good bad and the ugly and the great to the world um, that being said i run two companies one company is called authentic coaching which is an executive coaching and retreat company. And then I have a, another company, Authentic Sales, which is a sales, marketing, and distribution company. And we bring in dog treats from Australia and get them into dogs' mouths and bellies all over Canada and the U.S. So that's, um, I've been married three times. Uh, I'm happily married to Michelle. Between the two of us, we have four children, ages 29 to 20. Yep, I keep... Yep, 20, 29 to 20, four kids. We're empty nesters. We live in Redding, California, and um, my life's never boring. And I don't understand people who say their life's boring. I can't figure out how you could get bored when you live in this wild world we live in and serve a crazy God. So yeah, here I am talking to you. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so one thing, uh, just uh, a little journey that I've been on of late uh, as it relates to vulnerability is the Lord has really put his finger on, uh, the need for honesty in my life. Um, I have found that for whatever reason, I kind of gave myself license for little white lies through my life. And the Lord said, that's enough. And, um, and so the vulnerability and honesty to me are very synonymous because sometimes when you don't tell the full truth, you can present yourself or protect yourself or whatever, because that's not really who you really are. It's just more an image of who you are. And, and when you tell the whole, you know, truth, so help me God, 
um, then you're sort of subject to other people, how they're going to respond, um, how you're going to be perceived, not getting jobs you might want because you just told the truth, you know, whatever the things that they are. And so I'm super excited uh, today because I think that we're going to go to vulnerability land and uh, I'm a little worried. (laughs) So it's where the the juice is, man. It's where the the juice is, where the good stuff is. (laughs) So, uh, so, as we were uh, praying for the show and, and knowing a little bit about David's backstory and, and uh, knowing a little bit about David, uh, one highlight kind of came out that, uh, honestly, I haven't dealt with on The Killing Fire, and that's related to men's purity or pornography or uh, sexual integrity or, you know, those kind of topics. And, and it's a topic that needs to be discussed on a podcast for men 100%. And um, what I understood or what I heard from you is that you had done some, some leadership in some men's purity group. And uh, I, I'd love to just, let's talk. Let's talk about yeah. y- your journey and, and uh, I'll chime in as, as I'm able to kind of give my, my two cents because that has been a journey that I've had to walk myself, you know, through many, many yeah. years. Well, it's been a super um, sobering, humbling journey as I mentioned, I was, I've been married three times. So I've, I've got two failed marriages in my past. And I would say until I came to grips with my, my sexual impurity and how it impacted my marriages um, until I got, I mean, I, I wish I had, I wish I'd, I don't know what would have happened to those marriages, but I know that, that my, I did not have affairs, but I was, regularly looking at pornography. Mm. Um, I, I would say the core issue that I had that really the big epiphany I had after going after that was that I did and still do sometimes put the main woman in my life or women, if I'm looking at pornography or women that I'm lustfully looking at as I walk around town, putting women in the God spot. Like it's, if I could boil it down to one thing, um, it's, it's, it's worshiping the creation versus the creator. And, um, and it's a special sin. It's like, it's listed on all the sins. It's the one that is, that is harmful to your, to your identity. It's like, it's such a, it's such an insidious one when you, when you, it's, um, so, um, anyways, I post my divorce and really after all all everything settled, I went, I, I've got to figure out some way to to go after this with God. And so I found a, a men's group here in Reading. Um, it met every Monday. Um, I was embarrassed to walk in. I when I got in, there's 150 guys in there. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I belong here. And you know, just doing the dance. Um, you could go and observe, and then um it was kind of like a teaching. There was some worship, there was uh there was this thing where guys played games and got physical and we did stupid stuff. And then we went into small groups after a speaker spoke and the small groups where the action was, and it was like, drop your Christianese at the door, just get as real and vulnerable as you possibly can. There's 150 guys. Um, and it was, it was locked down with 
confidentiality. So the only way you could get kicked out of that group and you'd be kicked out forever is if you broke confidentiality. Like it's it's a sealed room and you you never we had all kinds of rules around that. And so anybody that came, that was what kept it flowing. I think the biggest thing I learned from it, besides that, oh my gosh, I regularly put the main woman in my life in the God spot. And I'm really, I default to that without even knowing it. Mm. So becoming aware of that. Um, but number two was all these things that, that we do with our sexuality are driven by really pure desires. And so learning how to not just stop at, okay, I do this thing regularly and I'm really ashamed of it. And I, and I know it's not getting me anywhere, but going below the surface into the pure desire, like mm. what's, what's driving that and how did it get distorted? So that was the main thing when I was in small groups, like, how come you only watch this type of pornography? What is it about that? What do you think that says about something underneath that's really pure and good and driven and how did it get distorted? And why is that particular flavor of lustfulness so attractive to you? Hmm. And then just, just holding it there, like just holding it and letting God come touch that place with, with other men witnessing that was so profound. I, I, I watched shame just blast off of people, including myself. And I'll give you a chance to talk because I don't want to take up all the airplay, but I, I had a moment where I had an encounter with Jesus where it all, it all became crystal clear and mm. it's changed my life. It led to that moment, but it took, it took a lot to get there. Yeah. So, so I've been around a lot of inner healing circles um, and uh, you know, people that believe in inner healing and, and God can restore memories and, and uh, all, all kinds of stuff like that. And I, um, you know, having, like I said, having struggled in this area through my life, I, I know that the shame and the I should know better uh, feelings and, and that feeling like uh, I'm just, I'm just the worst of the worst. Um, you know, how could God love me? And, you know, it's so funny. I was, I'll just share this one thought and then I'm going to ask you a question is that, you know, I was, as I was, as I've run in men's circles, you know, you start to find out how pervasive, um, you know, sexual sin is, um, in with a lot of men. And I started almost having this fundamental belief that, you know, I think maybe sin is stronger than the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, it's almost like, it just seems like sin is so pervasive. It's everywhere, or it seemed to be everywhere. And, and there's few, there's not a whole lot of bright stars out there or like shining stars saying, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a victory here. There's a, there's a gospel that says you can overcome and, and you actually get to overcome. It's not some ethereal idea. It's actual yeah. something you see in your life. And, um, and, and I was sitting there thinking about all this and, and then the Lord basically challenged me and he basically said, um, effectively, you know, my blood is stronger than sin. Had it not been so right. How can anyone, cause this is the whole thing that Satan does. How dare you stand up and say anything on the, on behalf of God, you know, you, you wicked, dirty, awful person just right. sit down and shut up. Oh, you too, you too. Oh, and then in the end, who's left standing? 
Nobody. Nobody. Right. <laughs> no, and then right. saints like awesome. No gospel. No witness. No light. I win. Right. And and the Lord was kind of like my blood is stronger than the worst of the worst of the sins. It's stronger. That is why uh, people can rise up and start to proclaim the truth and the forgiveness that God has gotten them to the truth. Um, otherwise, there would be no witness because it's not that you're sinless and you get to be a representative of God. It's that you know the truth, you know, mm -hmm. and the truth that, had, that has set you free, his forgiveness, his redemption, his mm -hmm. investment, his choosing you, him, uh, and, you know, all of that, right? And that, mm -hmm. and that levels us up to a place where Satan does not want us to be, right? He wants us to fundamentally believe, especially if you've sinned, that blood is not strong enough and you will stay down and you will, I will, I will put you under my heel and you will stay there. Mm -hmm. Even though you're a Christian, your belief system will keep you right there. All the while Jesus's blood is saying, stand up, rise up, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. speak out. Right? I love that. I love that image. Yes. So anyway, that's, um, so I, I think the question I have for you is uh, obviously this, this, um, this, this divorce really kind of forced, like I had, I need help, right. Kind yes. of coming to that point. Where yes. did you go from, I need help to maybe this encounter you had with Jesus, where the Lord really kind of sh turned the light on and you were like, yeah. Oh, I, I see stuff I've never seen before. I understand. Like I've never understood before. Like, when, when, well, when I was, go? I was six years single after being married and having kids. And one of the reasons I turned to pornography was because I was lonely and I, and I wanted intimacy and it, it, it fed that part of me, even though it left me wanting. Yeah. So I was in the men's group and I, I remember <clears throat> I did a lot of confessing. I just did every Monday. I confessed. We just called just kind of taking a dump in the middle of this. I just confess, 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 confess. Guys would pray for me. Um, and I was getting better, uh, meaning that I could feel myself not pulled as much by lust. I wasn't watching pornography hardly at all, if ever. Every Monday I did check-ins and it, it, it was becoming, but I, I was getting exhausted from it. I was just like, I, I feel like, I feel myself getting stronger. I see the power of confession. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins before one another for uh, I'm faithful to heal. A prayer of a righteous man avails much. So I was, I was operating in that. I was just living that verse. I confess my sins and I got really good at it. Um, and then I just woke up one morning and I was so lonely and so tired and so honestly kind of felt I didn't have my go-to drug of choice, which was pornography anymore. And I was just, mm. I was just left with my loneliness, you know, just yeah. Like, yeah. Right? so I just, so it led me to this place where I wasn't numbed out by the false comfort of pornography. I was just left with this pit in my heart and just the loneliness of being a single dad and, and being on the road a lot and coming home and taking care of kids. I just woke up one morning. I said, God, I'm not getting out of bed until we deal with this. And something is not right here. I just kind of crossed my arms and went, hmm, not, I'm not going to work today unless we have a showdown. So I said, God, you made me this way. You made me, you said it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm doing my part. I'm ready to get married, but I don't see any of that on the horizon. And I don't, 
I don't know how much longer I can do this. I'm just, I'm just exhausted. And I closed my eyes and I saw the face of Jesus, like just like I'm looking at your face right now. And, and there was fire in his eyes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is not what I was expecting when I just, you know, I'm laying in bed. So I just closed my eyes and there he is. And he just, it was frightening and comforting all at the same time. And he said, David, I am sufficient. And I felt the words go into this part of my heart that had all that pain in it. I felt that pain. I went, okay, okay. And then he said it again, I am sufficient. And I felt it ease even more. And then he said it the last time he said, I am sufficient. And I felt him go into that part of my heart where I'd always put women first, where I, I, I unconsciously never let God into that part, because that's the part that I reserved for whatever woman I was putting in his spot. That's, mm -hmm. And then there was this little tiny tinge of pain. The pain was gone. But, and before he did that, he said, I'm glad we're finally talking about this, David. And I was kind of mad. I'm like, I thought I'd been talking to you about this for like six years. He's like, I'm, I'm glad we're finally talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right, because I'm getting real. Like, it was like, you know, like when you, have that thing you need to say to a friend or a spouse and you finally just have the bravery to go, you know what? We need to have a talk. Yeah. And you just have that real conversation where nobody's playing pretend anymore. We're just getting all our cards on the table. It was like that with God. I didn't know that I was playing games with them. And I think what led me to that moment was we had a speaker come to our men's group and she said, I'm going to challenge you guys when you get ready to do that thing that you're ashamed of, whatever it is to not separate from God when you do it. She goes, keep God in your mind as you go to do the thing that you're the most shamed of. She goes, and if you want to do it with him there the whole time watching, go ahead. Just don't. And I realized that I had unconsciously separated from God every time I did some lustful thing Yeah. every single time. And so I think that combined with me cutting myself off from my drug of choice, the pain got so intense that I finally brought my real pain before God and said, What's up? Like man, that the power I mean, so many things uh to respond to. First off, isn't Jesus awesome? Like yeah. that sounds like a Jesus story. <laughs> like I've had, you know, people have encounters with Jesus and it's always unexpected. It's sort of like right. you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Was not expecting that. <laughs> and I love that. That but also you highlight something that I guess I've never thought about, which is sin mask pain. Wow. And, uh, and so wow. while you're sinning, you're really not, you're kind of masking like that heart cry that, that, you know, David in the Psalms heart cry, like, you know, just the visceral pain of life, you know, yes. that apparently Jesus is supposed to solve, but somehow we don't have it as Christians and it just sits there and then we might go sin. And then it's sort of like, well, it's kind of dulled for a little bit. Now I got a new thing to worry about, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I've got my pain, my original pain, and now I have this guilt, you know, and yeah, more. And then, and then Satan just wants to keep and And the thing that really strikes me is that when we choose to deny ourselves sin, we, we sit into that place of pain and that's where God will meet us. And most of the time, 
and thank God you have the faith to say, I'm not leaving. I'm not getting out of this bed until we have a, you know, like uh, some kind of encounter or something, God, I, I've come yeah. to the point where I need something where some people have a view of God that it's sort of like, they're going to be abandoned in their pain, right? That it's almost like this shroud of hopelessness kind of engulfs them. And it's like, if I don't have my sin and God's distant, it's just all hopeless. And I, I mean, I, if you're there, uh, listener, I just want to let you know that the encounter that David had, you can have in the sense of you can take your pain to Jesus. Yes. Jesus is not condemning you. He is looking for restoration. He's looking for the infusion of life in you, the exchange of your pain for his sufficiency. So how did you, how do you, how did that, all right, you have this encounter. Now yeah. what? <laughs> So, um, I, I ended up being interviewed a few days later on a radio show, uh, a guy named Danny Silk that was doing a radio show. He's live, like the family life pastor at Bethel church at the time. And he had a radio show and, um, it was about my, what we're talking about. Like I was on the show and I was sharing. And so I got to share that on his show that happened a few days before his show. And so I shared that and my ex-wife was listening to oh, the show holy cow and she called me up and she goes hey i heard you on the show because we both liked danny silk i'm like oh well cool she goes yeah um you're not the same man that i was married to she goes i i would be interested in trying again if you are oh boy i'm like whoa um i don't know what to do with this and so we did try and um it, it, we, we, we almost got married and then she changed her mind. Um, that's a whole other story. Sure. But the crazy thing that happened um, after being on that show, so I had that epiphany, something broke in me, something, some new level of hope. And then my first wife, who I was married to, who has no grid for that show, not a believer, she called me two days later and she goes, I was thinking about you and I'm, I was wondering if you might want to try again. And within like a week of this what? encounter so okay oh, i'm not kidding i am not kidding you <laughs> how do you interpret that like it's the devil it's god it's something in between like what do well, you what do you well do yeah so so um my friend andy um he he heard this testimony he was on the radio show with me and there's a verse somewhere in the bible that says i will i will give you i will i will exchange your shame for a double portion hmm and so he said, well, you had two ex-wives. And so now <laughs> there's your double portion. Um, but I, it also, it is funny. <laughs> it's, 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 it's remarkable. Like if, 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 if I have had, if I had any trouble believing that that encounter with Jesus was real, there was no doubt after that, like, okay, something has shifted. And both people that I used to be married to suddenly the block that created the division between us that that moved them away from me yeah. suddenly was gone and we're still i guess kind of one in the spirit i don't know how that happened um but what i realized was i'm reconciled to both those ex-wives i'm not married to them but i am there is a flow and a reconciliation between us now because um and i actually just yesterday left a message for my um my second wife, my, uh, and I, I was crying on the phone yesterday telling her, cause I had this 
God did a rewind and showed me all the ways that my impurity had held her back. And I felt like the best gift I could give her was to ask for forgiveness again, even though I have done that with her and release her more. I just felt it in the spirit. And so like, I'm still, and I told my current wife, Hey, just so you know, I left this message for my ex-wife. Here's what I said. Yeah. I don't sure. want there, you know, like there's no, there's no, I'm not trying to reconnect with her. It was just, Hey, I want to release you and bless you even more. Um, so, um, and then the last thing I'll say was that was, that happened on November of 2014. And then, and then the, the, the post after I had that encounter, the Holy spirit came kind of in this playful in the afternoon and said, Hey, David, um, just so you know, I'm the cake. And I'm like, okay, what's, this is weird. What, what do you mean? You're the cake. I'm the cake. I'm the cake. I'm the cake. You've always made your wife's the cake, but I'm the cake and your wife's are the icing on the cake. <laughs> and I went, I can remember that. I, I, I like that. So whenever I feel my marriage getting out of whack and I go, I know I'm putting my wife, Michelle, in the God spot. I go, wait a minute. No, she's the icing. She's not the cake. God, you're the cake. Yeah, come on. That's come on. it. So... Um, so we're going to have to wrap up here. Uh, yeah. It's like such a short show, but there's so much it is. stuff I want to yeah. talk about, but, uh, but I want to give you an opportunity just to kind of, kind of speak from a, from a kind of been there, done that voice, you know, like yeah. what, if, if there are men out there that are, that are stuck, that are hopeless, that are, that are married, that are, um, you know, struggling with pornography, struggling with the, uh, sex addiction, struggling with sexual sin, debauchery, you know, however you want to right. frame it. What would you, what would you say to him? What would you encourage him? I would say that all that is a symptom of a distortion of a pure desire, number one. So to destigmatize de de it, whatever you're doing, don't, as, as you look at it, confess it, admit it to yourself, don't shrink back from it, go, stare right through it. Because behind it, it's just a veil and there's a pure desire behind it that is really good that got distorted somewhere along the way. So rather than being sin conscious, which is, I think, what keeps us stuck in it. And to go to your point, like the sin is stronger than the blood of Jesus. Mm. Like it, when, when, when you're entangled in it, it feels like that's all you are and that's all that, the, the, and you can't, you can't get out of the web. Amen. So, um, so number one, uh, and then find have Jesus show you the past of path of confession. There's a thing called healthy vulnerability, and we've all been burned by vulnerability by others that, that misuse that vulnerability as weapons. So, ask God who, do, who who's if I'm, if I'm going to start if I'm going to start building a culture of confession, where do I start? And Jesus knows your heart and knows how scared you are and knows this dark place that you're in. Where do I start? Who's the first person I can begin to talk to about this? Um, and then let God lead you through a journey of, because as you get stronger in vulnerability, you become shame resilient, meaning, you know, I can get on stage now and talk about pornography, even, even if I've dipped into it in the last six months, I, I don't, I'm not proud of that, but if I do that, I'm not, I, I'm able to go, okay, something's, something's off. It's not it's not an identity issue. It's a, it's a habit issue. It's something's off. Mm -hmm. So I, that's, those are the two things I would say is um, it's, it's not a three-step process. It's a spirit led journey.
Yeah, that's so good. And I, and I love that like you talk about the pure desire, like the desire that maybe was driving it maybe was loneliness. Uh, for me, it's been maybe disappointment, right. Or, or feeling like a loser somehow. Yeah. And, and, and then I'm turning to something that's maybe going to make me feel better for a moment. And then it's going to be just like the, the worst darkness yeah. <laughs> afterwards. And it's, yeah. you know, and, and I just, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really good. And God knows those pure desires, you know, God knows, um, that he's sufficient to meet those pure God given human desires, right? Yes. Um, yes. You know, he is the one to meet it as uh, ultimately. So after six years of being single, three months after I had that encounter with Jesus, I met my wife after six years of like, and she lived in another state and I, she just came out of the left field. It was like, and God said, now that we've settled this and you're, and, and, and you've got it in your soul, I can, I can bring you your wife. Not if I brought you your wife before this, you'd end up divorced again. And I won't, yeah. and I won't do that to you. So I was so mad at God, but he was protecting me from another crash. Man, that's, that's a great perspective. And what I hear what you say and kind of putting women in the place of God is it's idolatry. It's a yes. form of idolatry and sort of like this thing will give me what I need. And it's sort of like, no, it won't only God. Right only God. So yeah. look, um, if, if people want to follow up with you or just to reach out or just, yeah. uh, uh, where would they go? Like, how would they find you? Um, easiest place would be my coaching website, which is David Charlson, C H A R L S O N David Charlson coaching.com. Um, I do a free, uh, Friday kind of group coaching call and we certainly can talk about purity on there. So if, if you want to come hang out with some people, we usually have five or six people sometimes, 10, whatever, it's yeah. have all kinds of interesting people in there. It's just a place to talk like we're talking right now. And you can talk about your purity or talk about something else, but yeah. we're definitely, we're definitely trying to go into the juicy, vulnerable places together. Yeah. I hear you. Well, thank you, David, so much. I, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. Listeners don't know that I totally sprung this on him and, <laughs> and he was totally game. So kudos to you, David. And uh, thank you for just sharing your heart, sharing your story. And I know the listeners are going to be blessed for it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.